Welcome to the Apawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz. Uh, for those of you who are visiting us this morning, we're um, in the middle of a series called We, um, We the Church, um, and what that actually means uh, to us. And we've talked about a lot of things, haven't we? Anyone remember what we've talked about? Communion last week, yeah. Discipleship. Membership. Membership. Uh, was it driving? No. <laughs> Glimpses is going, driving. I'm like, really? Did we do driving? <laughs> yeah, the screen's a little bit... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pete, Pete was up there and, uh, yeah. Uh, I'll get on to him this week. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I'll ask you a question this morning, and that is, um, let's talk about water. How important is water in our lives? Very. Who's a waterholic? You know, there's, yeah, I can see some hands going. You carry that bottle of water, yeah, everywhere you go. I'm a, I'm a cocaholic, I've got to admit. Um, is Marie Nicole in? She's not here today, is she? Oh, yeah, you are. Marie. She had on her Facebook site this really, and I thought about it this morning, water versus coke. Anyone seen that on on Facebook, where it's something like 75% of Americans are dehydrated, chronically dehydrated, and the reason why a lot of people are tired in the afternoon is because they're not drinking enough water. Um, so if you get a chance and your eyes are on Facebook, go over to Marisa. It's, it's actually kind of cool. Um, it it kind of convicted me, and I had to run downstairs and grab another Coke after reading that, but... Um, <laughs> Just to be assured of my... No. Um, and so water is important. So what makes it so important? It's got no sugar in it. <laughs> Sorry? Without it, you die. Was he saying the same? Yeah, it's a large percentage of your body. Um, when, when they're looking for worlds... You know, in, in, in the universe, what are they primarily looking for? Why? It sustains life. They don't look for nitrogen. You ever seen an, an astronomer? Oh, there's nitrogen on that planet. There must be life. Yeah, no, not really. You know, even Titan, they, they say Titan because it's covered in ice. They're hoping there might be water underneath that ice. And so they're all excited. Ooh, there might be water. They're not looking for oxygen in the atmosphere. They're looking for water. You know, the Mars rover goes around. There might be signs of an ancient lake of water. So water is so important for our existence. So guess what I'm talking about this morning? Baptism, yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I was hearing. <laughs> well, yeah, we're talking about baptism this morning. Last week we talked about communion. This week we're going to talk about baptism. And how important is baptism in a Christian's life? It's a command, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you how important it is. Um, in, in, you know, when the Reformation happened, you know, Martin Luther was doing his thing in Germany. In Switzerland, there were two 
uh, you know, if you, who's been to Switzerland? Anyone been to Switzerland? You know there's a French side and a German side, right? Well, you know, there's always that kind of division in Switzerland. Zurich being the German side, Geneva being the French side. So on the French side, you had John Calvin. You might have heard who he was. And he was kind of the uh, instigator of the Reformation in Geneva and quite a powerful figure in that area. In Zurich, there was a guy named Hudrich Zwingli. Yeah, they did make fun of him when he was a kid. I'm absolutely certain of it. How you spell that name as a kid is ZW. If you can have a ZW in your name, you've got to be cool. Um, but his name was Hudrick Zwingli. He started, well, basically uh, commenced the Reformation in Zurich. And he became a very powerful figure in the city there. So much so that when one guy decided that when they were discussing about baptism, his discussion was, well, it has to be full immersion. That's what the Bible says. And Zwingli was so put out by it that uh, he had the guy condemned to be drowned in a lake. That's full immersion and he's staying down. That was basically what Zwingli was saying. So, uh, yeah, anyone who has these high hopes of how the Reformation changed the world, well, they had their little problems as well. But it was so important to Zwingli how baptism was done that he was willing to kill a bloke over it. So how important is baptism for us today? Uh, Okay, I'll tell you a story. Uh, there was a church service by a river and they were having a baptismal service and there was a drunk who was walking along the river and he saw this baptismal service happening. So he decided to uh, you know, kind of rock on, on and see what's going on there and he walked right into the river and stood right next to the preacher and the preacher was taking a little bit back and he saw this drunk guy standing next to him and he turned to him and he goes, Sir, are you wanting to find Jesus? He goes, Huh? Do you want to find Jesus? Well, yeah, okay. And so he grabs him and he dunks him down. He pulls him up and he goes, have you found Jesus? And the drunk's a bit shocked. He goes, no, no, I don't think so. So he grabs him again and dunks him down and pulls him back up. He says, have you found Jesus? And, and the guy's a little bit shaken. He goes, no, I, I don't think so. And so the, you know, the preacher's getting a bit annoyed by this guy. So he grabs him and he dunks him and he leaves him under the water for about 30, min- 30 seconds. 30 minutes, yeah. <laughs> I learned from the Reformation if they don't know. Um, so he got him under one, he pulls him back up and he goes, have you found Jesus? And the drunk kind of looks at him and goes, are you sure he fell in here? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we're given a command. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations and doing what? dunking them for 30 minutes underwater uh, until they find Jesus in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have a command to actually do this. But what does that mean? Um, What what does baptism mean? mean, If you look in the New Testament, all these people that we read have been baptized, and there are others I've left out, but I mean, obviously Jesus, uh, some of his disciples were baptized as well. At Pentecost, a whole number of them got baptized. In Samaria, in Acts chapter 8, Philip baptizes a whole bunch of Samaritans. Uh, The Ethiopian, who was baptized by Philip as well. And then you've got Paul himself and Cornelius, the, the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the Roman guy, the Roman centurion, and then Lydia, the Philippian jailer. And there's a group of about 12 Ephesians uh, that were baptized as well. So, obviously, it's something that seems pretty rife and important to the early church. Would we agree to that? Yeah. 
But it does pose some questions. What is the real significance of baptism? What is it? How does God work in this act? Does he? Is baptism necessary for salvation? Now, some of us are pretty clued in on this, and we're all like, yep, I've got an answer to that, and I've got an answer to this. Uh, Do we need to have baptism classes? You know, some churches won't baptize you unless you go through a program. Um, Is there an age limit? Can you baptize children or infants? And is there a requirement or is it just something symbolic? So think about that. Remember last week with communion, we we share quite a bit. And we realize that communion is not maybe as clear cut and is definitely a whole lot deeper than sometimes we make it out to be. Remember that? Well, maybe baptism's the same. Maybe it's time for us to kind of revisit what it actually means in our lives. Let's go to the Bible. Acts chapter 19. That's really small writing for me up there, but there you guys can see it. It says this, it says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And Paul asked them, what what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So there's a lot of things to think about there. First of all, Paul calls them disciples. What does that mean? Did they know Jesus? Well, maybe they'd heard of him, but they didn't know to believe in him. And so Paul says, you've been baptized. Yeah, we've been baptized. Who? Who have you been baptized into? And he says, John, John the Baptist. There's a whole group of us. We repented. We gave our lives back to the Lord. We recommitted ourselves. And Paul challenges him. He says, that's a baptism of repentance. He makes a difference. A difference between repenting and believing in Jesus. You with me? And then he baptizes them in the name of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 to 39. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And what will happen? You see there's a correlation happening here in the Bible. What happens when you're baptized? Isn't that supposed to happen when you believe in Jesus? So why is he saying you're baptized and then you receive the Holy Spirit? Why not just say, if you believe in Jesus, you'll receive the Holy Spirit? What do you think? Because you have to die to yourself? That's really good. Yep. Even Satan believes in Jesus. Yep. Has a conversation with him too. 
What else? Anyone else want to pipe up? And Hey, there's no wrong or right answers. I'm not going to jump on you. It's usually you guys jumping on me, but anyway. Ooh, that's a good point. Did the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus only after he was baptized? The Holy Spirit came down. Yeah, I'll raise that up in a moment. But the question that the, 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 the comment that was raised is that there are people that, that have not been baptized uh, who are full Christians, who have been, the Holy Spirit's come upon them. And the question, she, another thing, the comment that was made is that you're not saved unless you're baptized, which hindered Francis from being baptized to begin with. That's a really interesting point there too, and I'll bring that up a little later on. Um, who's, who's heard that before? That if you, you know, salvation, baptism has to be a part of the salvation process, or you're not saved unless you're baptized. Chris has heard that. Anyone else hear that? Well, the question would be then, how did the, uh, the thief on the cross end up in heaven that evening if... Jesus didn't baptise him. You've got to be careful when you take things too literally um, without really searching what, you know, what, what the actual meaning is and what we're looking for. Okay, um, there are some things that we need to understand about baptism. Okay, um, And a lot of it has to deal with understanding the process when it was first put into place. We talked about communion last week. Is communion just a symbol? It's a lot more than just symbolism, isn't it? We talked about last week how Jesus came on earth and changed the Passover, as Alistair said, rewrote the script. And that the Jews didn't take Passover as something lightly, didn't they? What was Passover for the Jew? Their identity, who they were. Who, who, I mean, you can't talk to a Jew without bringing up the, the, you know, the crossing of the Red Sea coming out of Egypt. I mean, you read the Old Testament, all the Psalms seem to come, go back to that one mon- monumentous moment in their lives. This, this, oh, it's who they are. It's not just ticking the box. Hey. And, and for some of us, you know, April 25th is coming up, Anzac Day. Yeah, that's, you know, we kind of celebrate that. Maybe the older generation would celebrate that more because they were so close to it. But today, most of us are whatever, Anzac Day, yeah. The Jews stopped everything to celebrate Passover. And they relived it through taste, through touch, through smells, through, through what they see. They, they relived it because it was who they are. And as we talked about communion last week, communion is who we are. It's our identity. We are confronted with the one moment in our lives, the death of Jesus, that brought us back to God. And it's not just something we remember, it's something we relive. It's why we're challenged when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, examine yourselves before you come to the table. Baptism is along the same lines. Baptism is along the same lines. Okay? We'll get into it a little deeper. Um, first of all, 
How symbolic was Jesus' life when it came to Israel? Remember we talked about this last week. How symbolic was Jesus' life to Israel? Sorry? It was fulfilling the scriptures. So, for example, when he was born, he was exiled to where? Who were, who were exiled to Egypt? Israel. And then he came out of Egypt. What happened with Israel? They came out of Egypt. And he was baptized where? In the River Jordan. What did the Israelites do to get into the Holy Land? They crossed the Jordan. How long was he in the desert? 40 years. Oh, 40 days, sorry. It's a long time to fast. Um, 40 days in the desert. The Israelites were 40 years in the desert. How many people did he send out? Jesus. How many disciples did he send out? 70. How many elders of Israel? 70. And so when it comes to the Passover and you eat the bread and you think about that, that, that moment of when God saved Israel, who now becomes the saviour of the world? Jesus. Everything he does is a spitting image almost, of a fulfillment of what Israel was, isn't it? Twelve tribes of Israel, twelve apostles. You, you can keep, you keep going and going. Well, believe it or not, you know, baptism actually is that as well. Anyone know what Yom Kippur is? Anyone know what Yom Kippur is? It's a Jewish holiday. Isn't that the war in 1967, the Yom Kippur? No, Yom Kippur. Okay. First, it starts with Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. Uh, usually around September, October, it depends on... They have it in the middle of the year, we have it at the end of the year. Anyway, Rosh Hashanah is the, the first day of the year. And on the first day of the year, by Jewish tradition, uh, God writes in the Book of Life, or he prepares to write in the Book of Life, everyone's, uh, uh, basically everyone's punishment for the year because of their sins. He's already looked ahead and he's seen their sins and he's going to write it out in the book of life. So for 10 days from Rosh Hashanah, they call it the day of days of awe. Um, isn't that cool? A-W-E, days of awe. It sounds like a movie. Um, but in, in Hebrew, if I can remember right, it's the Yamin Norayim, which is those 10 days of repentance where people will examine their lives uh, before God and before their fellow human beings. And it climaxes with Yom Kippur, Leviticus chapter 16, called the Day of Atonement. What happens on the Day of Atonement? The sacrifice was given for who? For all the people. Okay? So the Day of Atonement, once a year, they would pray that, you know, these sins that they know they'll be committing would be given to God. And on the Day of Atonement, the sacrifice was made and that people would be cleansed. Leviticus chapter 16. Okay? Who is now the one who is sacrificed for us on that Day of Atonement? Remember what I tell you? Whenever I ask you a question, just say, Jesus, 90% of the times you get it right. Right? Jesus, yes, exactly. But guess what the priest had to do before he made that sacrifice? He had to cleanse himself. Now, every other sacrifice he made during the year through all the various celebrations and services that the Jews did was just to wash his hands and feet. 
But for the Day of Atonement, guess what he had to do? He had to fully immerse himself in water. He had to fully immerse himself in water five times. Just so you know, I love numbers. You all know that. Number five in the Hebrew Bible signifies the soul, the human being, the way we need to be living, the five books of the law. Five times he would immerse himself underwater. And when he came out, he would be cleansed before God to be able to make the sacrifice on the mercy seat. He was cleansed before God. Now, the question I want to ask you is this. Do you think the Jews thought it was symbolic or real, that act? How did the Jews take that act of what the high priest did? Was it just a symbol of the ritual or was it an absolute necessity that had to happen? Yes, exactly. They didn't follow instructions, they'd die. So they took it for real. Okay? This immersion in water and coming out cleansed and going before the altar to offer the sacrifice for the whole nation, they took it for real. They weren't joking. In fact, you know what they used to do? They'd put a, a cloth covering so that the people could see. They wouldn't see, you know, the, the high priest you know, naked or anything, but they could see his form and he was going into water so that would be assured that he was actually baptizing himself five times and cleansing himself so that they were assured as a people that that's what the high priest was doing. He was following what was given as a command to them. And so that when he went before the high, uh, before the mercy seat to offer up the sacrifice for all the people, he was cleansed. That's pretty intense. When you think about that, well, we, don't, we don't capture that a lot because we're so caught up in our own, well, I wouldn't say mundane, but physical lives that sometimes the impact of spirituality in our lives just kind of disappears. It kind of just kind of falls to the wayside. It's just, oh, whatever. The Jews were strong about Whatever happened to the body happened to the soul. You couldn't separate it. You couldn't separate what you did to your body and think that it had no effect on your soul. Today, and I know because being a youth pastor for so many years and even with adults, people come to me and say sex is just a physical act. Oh no, you're so wrong. Maybe it satisfies you physically, but you cannot pretend to assume it's not affecting you spiritually. In fact, I will guarantee you it does. You may choose to ignore it, but you see, from the Jewish point of view, that wasn't the case. Anything you did physically affected you spiritually. So for them... The act of cleansing wasn't just a physical cleansing. It was a spiritual cleansing. Not only is this person clean and whatever deodorant he might have used afterwards maybe even smelled good, um, but 
he is or she is also clean before God spiritually. How do you take that? Who are we called to be today? We're called to be Christ followers. But we as Baptists have a very unique thing. We are all priests, right? Every one of you who believes in Jesus, you have become a priest. Why? Why are we now called priests? Exactly. We have direct access to God. You don't need to come to me so that I can speak on behalf of to God for you. you you're going straight to him. You, you are straight with God. So let me say this to you. Do we need to do sacrifices anymore? No. Why? Because of Jesus. There you go. He's learning. <laughs> He's learning. Jesus. Okay, so when that one time I come to Jesus before that sacrifice, which has to happen, okay, just because Jesus died 2,000 years ago, that blood still needs to be spilt for your life, okay? So when I come before the throne of God and I give my life to Jesus, how do I need to approach that? How did the high priest approach it? In awe? Washed? Cleansed? The blood? Yep, but let's take it a step back. He went through the washing process. He was washed. What he believed would happen to him physically also happened to him spiritually. And that's why we do baptism. Because if you believe Jesus is your Lord and God, you have been washed with the blood of the Lamb. And part of that process is always being, also being washed by the waters you with me? Um, I skipped a whole bunch of things, but here we go. I want to read this uh, Romans chapter 6. Now, this is in the message, ver- message version because I think it's awesome. Um, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? He's talking about, you become a Christian. Whatever you were before a Christian, that's the old country. You don't go back there anymore. You've, you've got a new passport now. Let's take you to a new country. Um, so he's saying this. He goes, that is what happened in what? In what? In baptism. Paul's pretty specific here. It, he doesn't say that's what happened when you believed. It happened in Baptism happened in baptism when you went under the water we left the old country of sin behind and when we came up out of the water we entered into the new country of grace a new life in a new land that's what baptism into the life of jesus means when we are lowered into the water it's like the burial of jesus and when we're raised out of the water it's like the resurrection of jesus you can't you can't separate and this is like we trying to separate physical acts from spiritual acts. Oh, what I do physically doesn't affect me, you know, spiritually. The Jews would have thought the same way, and Paul felt the same way about baptism. 
you believe, you're baptised. It's no separation, it's not an option, it's not an accessory that you think, okay, well, we can do this now, I'm ready. Which is why I have issues with baptism classes, frankly. I don't understand why we have to sit there and make absolutely 100% certain that they understand what they're believing. If the Holy Spirit believes, and they've come into their lives, Paul never hesitated. The jailer in, in Philippians, what did he do? Midnight, he gathers his family and he baptizes them all. Doesn't wait six weeks before they've gone through a course. But here's the difference. I don't get baptized just so that I could feel like, hey, this is a public demonstration of my faith. Who believes baptism is a public demonstration of their faith? I, I'm going to say you guys are wrong. Because what happened with the Ethiopian? Where was he when he got baptised? Why wouldn't he have waited till he got home when all his friends and family were there and he could have been baptised then? Because the moment you give your life to Jesus, that's when the baptism should be occurring. They go together. <laughs> I'll be a bit... It's like sex and marriage. Okay? They go, they go together. You can't separate them. You might think that having sex with a person doesn't have anything... Well, in God's eyes, you're one. So it's already happened. You can't just say, oh, I'll have sex and then decide to marry them or not. No, actually, in God's eyes, you already are. It's the same with baptism. You don't want to wait until everybody's around? I have no problem with that. I'll say, yep, no problem, we could wait. I think it is a great testimony, by the way, so don't get me wrong when I... You know, it is a great testimony, and it's great to have family and friends around. But I don't see that happening in the Bible anywhere. When they became Christians, when they put their hand up and said, I believe in Jesus, boom, let's get some water, let's get them under. They've come before the throne. They're offering the sacrifice. They're taking it up. They need to be cleansed. They need to see what it means to be dead in Christ and alive in Christ. They've changed. Galatians 3, 26 to 27. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. I love the message. Straight, straight to the point. You're not just, hey, woohoo, I'm all clean now. Um, deodorant now I could be used or maybe some soap. We could have a nice big... No, it's not about a fresh start. It's a lot more than that. It's also involved in dressing you up in an adult faith wardrobe. Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. I think it was, um, now I've lost who it was that, that made that comment. Was it Martin Luther? Um, no, Augustine, who said, baptism is what we do when we give our lives to Christ. And in a sense, that is our initiation into a new membership, into a new, what was the word he used? Um, citizenship. We are initiated into a new citizenship. And as we've read with the Message Bible, we're in a new country. Christ now becomes ruler in our lives. So can you separate baptism from... You know, there are cases in which you can't. You know, the, the guy on the cross, 
He, he couldn't do that. And Jesus is not holding just to the forms. And, and we've got to be careful of that because once we turn it into a ritual, we lose what it actually means. So we've always got to be aware and careful of who we deal with and how we deal with it. So if somebody can't get baptised, I had a, a lady who we baptised about five, five, six years ago, and she had a fear of water. She had a fear of going underwater. And I said, no, no problem, I just got a bucket, and I went, <laughs> and I said, you fear of having a shower? She's like, no, okay, cool. You <laughs> poured it all over her. And, and you know what? That's a pretty strong symbolism there of being washed in the blood of Christ. I'm not going to sit there and say, you need to go under. Kind of like that uh, pastor by the river there, the preacher who got that poor drunk guy, down under, stay there until you're fully cleansed. You know, that's not the point of baptism. Baptism is so uniquely and conclusively tied to your salvation decision that personally I'd say you shouldn't be waiting. It needs to be done. But the moment you become a Christian, you become what? Hmm? What do you become? You become a disciple. You become God's. You are His. Your, prior, your life has been paid for. You have been bought at a price. You are his. Your life is not your own anymore. And this is the biggest challenge that we face. Because when we say Christ is our Lord, then everything we are is his. Everything we do is for his glory. And that's the biggest challenge we face. Because when we come out of those waters sometimes, we feel pretty euphoric, we feel pretty cool, we're like part of a team now, we're part of a group of people who are loving us, who are clapping, who are really behind us. I'm a Christian now, I'm with a group. Hey, woohoo, we're, we're going to heaven. You know, you know what, hang on a second. How are you going to live your life from now on? How are you going to live your life? You're going to live it for yourself? Are you going to continue living in the old country? Or have you truly passed into the new country? By giving your lives wholly to Jesus. Uh, thanks, Rob. I feel good now. I'm going to go home and cry. I'm not, I'm not trying to knock you down. I am trying to challenge you. Because many people here who have been baptized have given their lives to Jesus. Have accepted that sacrifice. Do you realize now you're his? Uh, there's a good thing about that. You know what? You're never alone. You know what? You've got a hope. You've got a future. And for all that this wife, this life can throw at us. I said wife, didn't I? For all that this wife can throw at us. Oh, gee. Man, I'm going to get into trouble when I get home. Um, <laughs> for all that this life can throw at us. At the end of the day, it's just about Jesus. Rob Silver, who I ran over to Australia a couple of weeks back to see, he's my old mentor, my first pastor I worked for, and he, uh, Sunday, was had a bad cough. His wife nagged him, as they do. Um, 
to go to the doctor, and as guys do, they never go to the doctor, until at some point he decided, okay, I'll go to the doctor. And he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, sounds like you've got pneumonia. 65. He says, you know, these things happen. And, but let's get some tests just to make sure you're okay. This is on the Monday. On, on the Wednesday, he gets a call back from the doctor who says, why don't you come to the hospital? We need to do some more tests. Okay, go to the hospital, do some more tests. They tell him, Rob, you got cancer. We, we don't know the extent of it, so we're going to find out. So they kept him overnight. Thursday, they tell him, well, it looks like it's lung cancer that has metastasized to your pancreas and your liver and your spine. You've got weeks to live. In the span of four days, he realized he only had weeks to live. I get a text from him on Thursday. I fly over on Sunday. I see him Monday. And then I see him again on Tuesday. And he tells me, we laughed about some of the things that we went through as a church back then. And he said, you know, I'm usually on the other side of this bed. So it's kind of strange to be in this position. But he said, you know, no matter what, all that matters is my relationship with Jesus. That's all. That I'm laying here, Rob, and all I can think of is my relationship with Jesus. That's on the Tuesday. Wednesday morning he was dead. All that matters in your life has to be Jesus. Because the moment you close those eyes when you pass away, that's all that's going to matter. And you can tell me anything you want. But at the end of the day, that's all that matters. There's only one person in the universe that cares about you. That cares so much for you that he's willing to die for you. He's willing to to suffer shame for you. He's willing to carry you. Don't get torn away from him by the mundanes of this life, by the lies that you get thrown at, by the challenges you get thrown at, by the overwhelmingness of what you get thrown at in life. Give it to him. If you've passed through the waters, if you've been baptized, your life is his. He will care for you. He will care for you. So, how important is baptism? Almost as important as communion. It's not something we take lightly, but it is something that is life-changing. Part of a process that is life-changing. We are becoming priests. We talk directly to God. And through that process, once and once only the sacrifice is made, and once and once only do you need to go through that cleansing process. Amen? Uh, that's a pretty cool thing. I don't have to get washed up every, every time. I don't need to get rebaptized. But here's a question for you. What about children? What about children? We're Baptists. So we don't believe in infant baptism. If you believe in baptism, go with those heretics called Anglicans. Well, there's a reasoning behind why the Anglicans do it, and there is actually a biblical reason behind it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but it does have foundation. From our perspective, when you are 
just like Augustine's words, you are brought into a new citizenship. I don't think you can do that without being aware of what you're being brought into. That's why we have baby dedications. Parents who want their children to grow in the love of Christ, being cared for and being nurtured by their church community, and why we get behind people who hand up their babies and say, this is my child, I want them to grow up in the love of our fellowship, in the love of our Lord and Saviour. And we all say amen to that, right? And then when that child, hopefully, who sees Christ through us and in us, will make a decision one day to say, hey, I believe in him. Holy Spirit, come down upon me. I believe in Jesus. He is my God. And baptism happens. Amen. I ask the worship team to come up as we close in prayer. Father God, um, you know, symbolism sometimes is something we take for granted in our lives today, Lord. Science has a a tendency to want us to look at the practicals or the hard evidence. And sometimes spirituality is not something that can be seen, Lord, or sometimes rationalized either. Forgive us, Father, that sometimes we separate the physical from the spiritual, that uh, our acts, uh, we feel, tend to not affect us spiritually or affect others spiritually. And yet uh, they do so much, Lord. What you instigated in the Old Testament are not things for us to laugh at as old things, as things that are not useful anymore or are things that are not applying to us today. Quite the opposite. That they are viewed differently through your Son, Lord. Oh, amen to that. That now our Passover is communion. Oh, amen to that. That the cleansing before the throne of that atonement is done through baptism. Amen to that. Help us, Lord, uh, for those of us who have made that decision to be your child, to be your, or to have you in our hearts, that we may be always aware of what that actually means. May we be aware of, of the steps we take and not treat you as something that's not around us. For those who don't know you, Lord, may you speak to their hearts. May you reveal yourself to them, Lord. And Holy Spirit, touch them, I pray. Thank you for your challenge this morning, Lord. And as we come together to lift our voices to you, Continue to speak to us in the way you have in Jesus' name. Amen.